Wise Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. This is our 286th podcast. Amazing. Well, we're here, and it's May 30th, 2018. It's a glorious day here in New York City. To be exact, my studio is in uh, southwest Harlem. It's a fun neighborhood. I'll tell you about it in a second. Let's talk about our show a little bit. Do you realize that we are spiritual beings having a human experience? I don't know if most people think of it that way. They think probably, well, you go around once and that's it. And then you hope that the big guy up in the sky with the beard is going to say, all right, you're in, or you got to go to that hot place downstairs. But I don't think it works that way. And I've, I've interviewed loads of spiritual teachers and authors and, special people on guys, guys radio. And, um, from my own experience and from my own learning, I totally believe that we are souls that come into a human body for a 3d experience. And then after our bodies are used up and done based on whatever we had planned before we were incarnated based on the lessons we want to learn that then we go on back to home, back home and then we develop a plan for coming back here next time or going someplace else. That's what I believe. That's what you guys, guy believe. What do you believe? Well, here we are on guys, guys radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. You know, the name of the show is guys, guys radio. And we do stuff through the guys, guys filter, which is kind of a modern man, but not macho modern man, modern man being guys, guy being casual confidence, unassuming strength, seductive integrity, emotional intelligence, timeless style, and, and fun. And we tackle all different types of subject matter that are helpful for modern guys and modern women. And I hope you enjoy the podcast we put out so far. We've had so many different guests from so many different fields, authors, entertainers, fantasy sports experts, novelists, wellness experts, spiritual teachers, channelers, psychics. And what I want to do is expose all these different points of view, all this different work, because for guys, you know, it's not just about, even though the name of the show is Guys, Guys Radio, and that, of course, it's based on my novel, The Guys, Guys, Guide to Love, which is a rom-com about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. But it's about love, ultimately. And men nowadays are at a crossroads. The young guys caught between the MMA and manscaping, not knowing exactly what their role is anymore. They're cowering under the cloud of Me Too based on the bad behavior of a lot of bad actors out there. Another one, you know, we we keep getting more and more. We're hearing about accusations against now Morgan Freeman, of all people. And, you know, at this point, nobody's surprised because I think it's still the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be more and more and more. And, hey, it's a wake-up call. If you're a guy and you're a good guy, you're a guy's guy, you need to step up and listen. Listen, don't react, don't overreact, don't get angry, don't say, hey, I didn't do anything. Just listen and learn and you'll be fine because the good guys will prevail and will be partners with women who have for so long been undervalued, unrecognized and repressed. And now is the time in modern times that women, particularly here in the West, are getting their due, long overdue recognition. So To me, there's never been a better time to be a man, never a better time to be a guy. So if you're a guy's guy and you're doing the right thing, keep doing what you're doing and protect women, protect yourself, protect your family and learn to love, be open and love. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. And then we will bring our special guest, Stephania Magidson. She has a book called Searching for the White Magician. She's a spiritual teacher and she's a student and she's the author of this book, which guides readers through a series of dialogues, exploring themes ranging from immigration, the philanthropy, the spiritual psychology and self-realization. So we'll bring her on in a few, few moments. Well, let's talk about what's going on out there in the guys, guys world. So lots. Well, the weather here is spectacular at this time of year. I love the month of May. It's been a horrible May though. In New York city, the weather's been spotty. It's been cold. It's been rainy. 
And every once in a while, we get a nice day. Well, we got a spectacular day today, and hopefully we're over the hump now. You know, once you get to Memorial Day, you got, you're got you expecting that the weather's going to stay good for at least the next three months. We'll see. I think we're over the hump. I think we're there. It was a very long, drawn-out winter. I've said this, I don't know how many shows in a row, but it's been crazy. <clears throat> My son is five years old. He's in T-ball. The games are played on Sunday. We had had one nice day, and it was cold on that day. The entire season so far, we've had uh, one rain out, another almost rain out. It's just been every Sunday. It's been like terrible weather. So anyhow, looking forward to a game this weekend with T-Ball. Um, what's happening out there? Well, as I mentioned, we're, we're broadcasting live from uh, Harlem. And, you know, I moved up to Harlem back in 2010. I'm in the southwest part of Harlem. And it's very nice. It's a real neighborhoody type place. And it's got so much diversity uh, that it's really interesting. And it's a good vibe. You know, the thing that people don't understand about Harlem, particularly New Yorkers, a lot of people, they just they won't come up here. Now they're realizing, like, you know what? Harlem used to be a very wealthy area. And it is just uh, southwest Harlem is right by Central Park. And it's gorgeous. And there's not uh, high rises. You don't have big high rises here. You have some buildings that are about 12 stories, whatever. But most of the buildings are only about six stories. There's a lot of brownstones. Some of the streets are all tree lined, gorgeous. uh, And it's been discovered now. So the real estate values have skyrocketed because it's Manhattan. You know, in the about a decade ago, everybody made their mass exodus to Brooklyn. But Brooklyn is pretty expensive now, and uh, now you know you have to go into Bushwick and Bed Stuy and who knows who, uh, Gowanus and Brooklyn really has been uh, you know filled up. So here in Harlem, it's you're in Manhattan. You don't have to go all the way into another borough. I know there's a, a lot of cool in Brooklyn, but Harlem's pretty hip also now. We've got some uh, neighborhood characters here near where I live, for better or for worse, sometimes for worse. We've got a guy, he plays the trombone every day. I know he has some troubles in life, I could tell, but he goes up on the corner of 116th Street and 8th Avenue and he starts playing about four songs on the trombone before he closes up his trombone case and marches to wherever he goes with the couple of bucks that he picks up. I have a feeling that he was well-schooled in music and he's just, for whatever reason, has uh, he's playing on the corner of 8th Avenue and 116th Street. So he plays Happy Birthday. He plays When the Saints Go Marching In. Every once in a while, he'll play the theme for the God from The Godfather. And his favorite is Deo the uh, banana boat song. So it's uh, hilarious. And then there's another guy who plays across the street. Now this guy just takes out bongos and he doesn't have any musical background and he sits in the bus stop and he just plays his bongos. Not very well for like an hour straight. And then he goes wherever he goes, but you know, you get the local flavor. That's what it's nice about, you know, in New York, it's so gentrified, if you will. It's so it's been so, uh, sanitized uh, where there's a baby gap on every corner in Midtown up here in Harlem, you still have the whole neighborhood feel. You still have these characters and it's uh, it makes it all interesting. It makes it a real New York experience like it was when I moved to the city back in the, in the eighties. So here I am broadcasting for you live guys, guys radio, a couple more things and then we'll bring out our guest. Um, the NBA, I'm a big basketball, pro basketball fan. Now it's down to, for the fourth year in a row, Golden State Warriors against LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Everybody's betting. The Vegas says, oh, it's a, it's, 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 you know, it's a one-sided affair. Golden State's going to you know, win, and they'll probably sweep them. I don't think so. I think, and I'm a Golden State fan, I think uh, Golden State's best defender, Iguala, he's out right now, and he's the guy who, defends LeBron James Golden State seems uh, fatigued you know when you're the champ and you've you've been in the finals four years in a row and uh, it gets tiring and the west the western division the NBA is really tough and they just came off a really really rugged seven game series against the Houston Rockets and uh, I think that LeBron James 
knows that he has nothing to lose because there's low expectations. And if he can somehow will his team to win this series, then he can, in his mind, legitimately say, I'm the greatest of all time. Personally, I don't think so. I think Michael Jordan by a, by a long shot because of many reasons. I won't get into them now, but first of all, I'll just tell you one. He was in the NBA Finals six times. His team won six times. He was the MVP six times. LeBron James, this is his uh, eighth straight finals. He's been in, uh, I think he's been in eight. He had one year off or something, but he's three wins and five losses. So it's a little bit different. And, you know, you can say championships are relative, but you know what? Championships are championships, in my opinion. Elsewhere, we see that Roseanne got bounced because she had some racist uh, rant and blamed it on Ambien. And then they try to put it on, uh, I'm not a big Trump fan, but they tried to put it on him and it's really not his business. But of course, he then reacts the wrong way with some whataboutism about ABC who fired Roseanne needs to apologize for him because of things they said about him. So I think he's referring to uh, ABC owns HBO. And I think Bill Maher has made a lot of comments about Trump that uh, he's trying to equate to some of Roseanne's statements, but they're not the same. They're not the same. So anyhow, interesting times, so much divisiveness. Um, I do my best to stay away from uh, too much news because it's the same thing over and over again. And I think we're headed towards a, an ascension uh, for mankind where things are going to get better. Things are kind of like cracking open right now. So there'll be some tough times, but I think we're going to get through it just fine. So that's what's going on. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get into a whole bunch of other subjects. I think what I want to do now is uh, take a very quick break, and then we're going to come back to our show with our special guest, Stephania Mag-Id son and talk about her book searching for the white magician i'm going to let my operatic friend tell you what you're listening to and we're going to have a quick break and we'll be right back you're listening to the guys guy radio okay we're back and welcome back to guys guys radio so now it's time to bring out our special guest let me tell you a little bit about her i told you a little bit before but let me take you through her very interesting background she's from romania she's the founder and president of the blue heron foundation one of the largest nonprofit organizations in the romanian diaspora she's romanian born she's lived in the u.s since 1980 with a degree in public health from university of utah a master's in applied psychology from University of Santa Monica. Her work in the early 90s focused on designing and implementing cardiovascular health programs for the Utah State Health Department at the Center for Disease Control. She's a global citizen, fluent in Romanian and Spanish, and dedicated to empowering, most importantly, empowering her fellow human beings through the strategic, charitable giving and support of education in the arts and she's also co-producer of a film called Omega Rose. And uh, I believe also she has a background in uh, gymnastics as a gymnast. So let's bring her on right now to Guys Guys Radio. Welcome, Stephania Mag-Id-Sun. How are you? Hi, Robert. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for this opportunity. How are you? I am very good, thank you. Very good. Well, I went through your book this week, and I really enjoyed it, and you have a lot of uh, interesting and positive message. Um, why don't you, uh, I think we need to start at the beginning. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you yourself and um, what is, exactly is your special gift? You are interviewed in the book. Uh, you're interviewed by uh, Carmen Firan and it's a dialogue. The book is a dialogue. So tell us about a little bit about yourself, what your uh, special, you know, you're not a psychic per se, but your spiritual being um, tell us a little bit about that, what you believe, how would you kind of loosely define yourself, and then what inspired you to write the book? I was born in Romania um, under the communist regime, and when I was a young adolescent, when I was 15, my parents, my family, which consisted of my parents and my sister, um, we immigrated legally, I might add, to the United States, and 
for me that experience the feeling that I had was that the rug had been pulled from underneath me. It was so rattling. It felt like all of my points of reference disappeared. The culture, the language I knew, the extended family, the friends, our home had been confiscated by the government, by the communist government, and even our citizenship. So we arrived in Salt Lake City, Utah with four suitcases and $500 exchanged on the black market. And I was very disoriented and I think even depressed initially. And with time, I started to ask myself some very profound questions for a person who was so young, as I look back. Who am I beyond the home and the language and the culture and the family and the friends that I knew because all that had disappeared. And I was lucky to come across some wonderful books such as Joseph Campbell's The Power of the Myth and a couple of books by uh, some Indian swamis. And I started to read what I had already knew on some level all along that there is something beyond our five senses and that is really the essence that is really our spirit and who we really are and so it was from that place that I started to build a new life for myself in this country essentially to build a bridge into the new world through the through the rediscovery and the cultivation of a spiritual practice. And then when I was 23, I found out that there was an actual a master's degree that had an emphasis in spiritual psychology here in uh, Los Angeles in Santa Monica. And I signed up and I learned in a more organized fashion tools and concepts that have to do with spiritual psychology and really all it is it's the the it is a study that also includes the spirit because the word in itself psychology um has psyche which is our psyche our spirit our soul which in traditional psychology is is not taken into account anymore. It has become just a study of our behaviors and our thinking processes. So it was a time when I I cultivated even more a spiritual practice, and ultimately it stayed with me to this day. I'm I just turned fifty, and oh, happy it has also <laughs> thank you. And it has also led to me starting. Um, uh, a nonprofit organization 16 years ago that is perhaps I think is the largest or second largest in the Romanian diaspora. So um, I have also cultivated my spiritual practice through a service project. Tell us a little bit about the. We'll get to it in more detail later, but just the top line. What because I think it's so important. I know you want to get the message out, and so do I. About Blue Heron. So I started it in 2002. It was a time in my life when our children were three and five years of age. And I was so grateful that they were healthy and they had everything they needed, most importantly the love and guidance of of their parents. And after a while of um, thinking how thankful and grateful I was, I started to ask myself, but how about the kids who don't have that, who don't have mm-hmm. even the minimum, which is the the guidance and the love of at least one parent? And immediately I thought of the kids I left behind in Romania. I, I remember the pictures I had seen on TV um, after the fall of communism with all the kids in the orphanages, and I, I went back right. to Romania to my hometown I visited an orphanage there, and um, all these little toddlers jumped in my arms and were calling me mama. So I I would say that they had me at that. They had me at mama. 
and I came back and I started the organization. And initially we helped young children, but over time, every year I would go back, I would ask what were the bigger needs that were not met by the government. And it turned out that it was really the older kids who were turning 18 and were being pushed out from the system. They were pushed out into the street, expected to fend for themselves to become self-sufficient, independent adults, but really they had no life skills, no real education. And so I decided at that moment, to, which was 2005, to change the program and exclusively help adolescents ages 18 to 25. So since then, we've been paying for their college education, pairing them up with mentors, paying for IT and English courses and driving lessons and really being at their side the, during their entire college experience so that they can, at the end, spread their wings and go into the world with skills, abilities, a certain degree of uh, self-healing, and with the hopes that their future does not have to be their past. And uh, we have incredible alumni and so many wonderful young men and women who are now doctors and teachers and engineers and et cetera. And they've been through the program, and they are a testimony that it's a program that works and it's, it's uh, doable to, with persistence and love to transform the, lo- the life of young men and women, even if their trajectory has been traumatic and dramatic. Okay, very good. All right, I'm glad. I want, want to make sure that we cover that because that's probably uh, utmost important to get the word out there on the wonderful work you're doing. Let's get into the book, um, White yeah. Magician. What is a white magician and um, why? Uh, let's, let's start with that. What is a white magician? Well, it, it's really our higher self. It's It's the part of us which understands the subtle notions of the universe and is in direct contact with our intuition. And I believe it exists outside of time and our five senses. Um, so I guess in a nutshell, that's who the white magician is. Okay. Um, what, uh, let's talk about some of the most important aspects of our journey here, if you will. Um, you yes. mentioned, and I've had a lot of guests talk about this, uh, intuition. What is your take on intuition and uh, what is it in your, your definition and why is it so important? And um, how can our listeners use their intuition every day to help them make every, every deci- day-to-day decisions, basically? Because the, the intuition is here to help us. We can demand yes. it. Yes, and you know, when I think of our intuitive thinking, I automatically think also about our visionary thinking and our creative thinking. In other words, I think that we've been cultivating so much our um, critical thinking. You know, we've been just beating our students to death with that, and it is very important. But let's not do that at the expense of not cultivating our intuitive, our creative, our visionary thinking. So the intuitive would be beyond our five senses. It can be ahas that we have uh, in certain moments. I get a lot of um, intuitions that, again, that come to me when I'm in my right brain, when I mm-hmm. walk often, and... Also, when I, I, I'm a big believer in dream journaling, I journal a lot of dreams, and I, I realize that that kind of thinking gets um, stimulated when I write about dreams. It's uh, often, you know, the, those hunches that we have. A friend of mine who's on the same path has told me that usually if they get the same hunch, even if it seems very unusual, three times. Uh, for sure it's meant, you know, for them it's a sign that they have to to follow through with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically another way of thinking that's, that's beyond our critical, um, our cerebral kind of filter. 
Okay. And how can, uh, what would be your uh, advice to our listeners who want to um, be more in touch with, uh, here's my point. We yeah. have a lot more power than we're told. We're basically told that we don't know anything from the moment we're born, but we have so much power. Intuition is part of our power, but there's nothing that teaches us about here's how you use your intuition. You understanding that, how would you, Stephanie, advise our listeners to, this is how you can start working with your intuition. Well, I I use a number of tools, and I think that indirectly they are all sharpening uh, the intuition in in amazing ways. One of the things I I commit to usually... I do 30-day processes, and then I take a break, and then I may do another 30-day. But I do mm-hmm. free-form writing about 30 minutes a day, and you just let everything come out, whether it's uh, anger, elation, boredom, whatever it is, you jot it down and you don't filter it. You you just write, write, write um, for about half an hour, and then at the end you burn it or destroy it. This is not the kind of writing you want to keep around. But mm-hmm. but this kind of writing done over time, for example, you know, 30 days in a row, it really starts um, helping you delve deeper and deeper into your consciousness. And I think it, um, it like I said, these are indirect tools, but it, it helps with sharpening one's mm-hmm. intuition because you start differentiating between what's real and what's illusion. Uh, so, so I know that uh, works for me. Okay, so, um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And another thing I do is I uh, it's called soul-to-soul letters. These are letters that you write. These are not letters that where we just purge things out, whatever comes to mind. These are letters we write either to a deceased, maybe a loved one, maybe um, uh, it can be a person who's alive, but for whatever re- reason we don't have the courage or the ability or uh, we, we cannot dialogue with them in, in mm-hmm. the physical world reality and this would be a letter that you write from your higher self from your soul to their soul it's not a letter where you blame etc and I've mm-hmm. seen I unbelievable yeah I've seen unbelievable shifts like 180 degree shifts where um, healing and the the kind of heaviness that we sometimes carry around and really misunderstandings are lifted through these kind of letters. And so this is another way because you really go inside and you you speak from the soul level. And then yet another one would be just what I spoke about, which is our dream world. I like to work with dreams before I go to sleep. I often set intentions which mm-hmm. may sound like um, whatever, spirit, mother, father, God, whatever you want to say. Uh, please, uh, I would like to receive guidance for with regards to my next steps into the world, for example, or with regards to my next step for Project X. Or I would like to receive some healing during my sleep with regards mm-hmm. to, I don't know, my patterns of victimization or addiction or whatever it may be. So I work a lot with dreams, with setting intentions and with these dream incubations where we set intentions or ask questions and then next morning, you know, journaling and working with them. So all of this, all of these kind of tools, and there are many more, um, they help us not only uh, sharpen our sense of intuition, but really access the world beyond our five senses one doesn't have to i don't consider myself a psychic uh but i consider myself a person who who is in touch with with my sense beyond the the five senses and a person who makes important decisions taking into account all of my senses and all of my different kinds of thinking including my intuitive thinking and um I, I think I just couldn't do it any other way. And I think my life deals with the work that I've done um, with, with the organization that I run, being married for 23 years. I, 
I feel that I'm on track. I I know I meet a lot of people who feel they wonder if their work is what they are meant to do here in this lifetime. It doesn't feel satisfying. Right. It doesn't feel aligned with a calling or a yearning they feel inside. And by doing all these different kind of processes, we are always asking the important questions with regards to what am I here to do? What's my purpose mm-hmm. in this lifetime? How can I uplift myself and my fellow human beings in the process? Excellent. Yeah, and huh. yeah, w- one of the notions, too, that I talk about in the book is sacred contracts, mm-hmm. which uh, really are these contracts that supposedly we are here uh you know, in this lifetime to take to completion. And we sort of get hunches and we get signals or we may get animated inside when various elements that have to do, that have a connection with our sacred contracts show up in our life. You know, how many times you get... um, the you know you you stop dead in your tracks because you hear something that you feel it was meant for you to hear or you meet someone mm-hmm. that you feel you've always known and you feel right away that you are meant to collaborate on a process on a project mm-hmm. um etc so or you see a, a movie or a painting or read a book and it speaks to you so i think we get all these signals on our path in our life and it's important to slow down to listen to them to ponder to see if they if we think they are part of our path and to not uh, dismiss them so casually because i do believe that we are here all we we're all here with some very important um jobs to to accomplish in in this lifetime and we want to manifest our potential, and we want to get done what we've come here to do. You know, uh, it's interesting. Uh, we mentioned the soul contracts and things like that. That I think people start to learn about these things, and then they get all hung up about. You know, it's just me. But they they overthink things like, oh my, you know, uh, I've had uh, seven past lives, and because what happened four lives ago, that that's carrying on now, and that's causing a problem on me and for me, and I made a soul contract into this life and holding me back or whatever. And I, I think I'm learning that we have a lot of power over that, and we can just basically tear up the soul contract and say, you know you can work out your karma in this, some of the karma in this life, but the best way to work out karma, let me rephrase that is right away. Ask for forgiveness for the people that you've hurt or the things you've done wrong, forgive everybody else. And then ask for forgiveness and forgive everybody else from all these other lifetimes and galaxies and universes, whatever, and just get on with it and start to deploy your personal power. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I think it's it's a beautiful approach and I do agree with it and I have also seen in my own experience having been connected with this work and with this school for a long for many years that sometimes it can be a little bit of a more convoluted process and this is not at all to say that oh some people just get stuck in being victims or whatever but sometimes healing a certain pattern takes as long as it takes and um mm-hmm. i know we want to hurry certain things and and uh i you know and sometimes i've seen grace intervene and things get lifted overnight and sometimes it gets longer it takes a lot longer i think the important thing is to be committed to the path and i'm by nature and am an optimist and a very positive person so i continue to you know i'm i'm constantly doing doing my process doing my work healing and you know trying to go to the next level um and i see results all the time so i i think it's very improbable that i'll be self realized by the end of my life and but i'm i'm committed to the process and i'm enjoying life in the process mm-hmm. uh so i guess yeah, that's that's okay. been my experience and my process. 
let me ask you this, Stephanie. How can people, in your uh, estimation, learn how to let life uh, flow through them versus trying so hard to overcome obstacles? I mean, we've been trained in the West to to be the victor, if you will, instead yeah. of the victim, and um, instead of being part of the journey and letting life flow through us. How, how can people kind of shift that paradigm? Because I recently learned about that and it's just the light bulb went off for me because, oh my goodness, you start to play the bigger game where you're living kind of behind your eyes and, and you're in the present moment instead of dragging all this other stuff around and then having to achieve based on whatever rules were set out there that have been pounded into your head and your day-to-day existence changes and a lot of uh, a lot of the monkey chatter quiets down and uh, a lot of the stress goes away uh, because you kind of have re reshifted how you uh, approach every moment. Yes. Well, I think it's so important to be aware of what we surround ourselves with from the books we surround ourselves with the internet, the TV programs, the friends and individuals that we come in contact with, the kind of contracts we engage in or sign, so to speak, because, you know, we, there is a, um, a result from all this, and so I think as we as we start uh, engaging on the path that you are talking about, we start resonating more with the people who are doing the same, and that is a beautiful thing because you start finding your tribe, and they uh, they start exper- they you know they experience life from the same place, and it's a confirmation that it's possible. I think it's very easy to get engaged, you know. Our five senses are very easily seduced by the world of the five senses, um, whether it's material greed, um, just the the world of duality, the good and bad, the good guys and bad guys, and we've seen that a lot in politics lately. Right, right. Um, but it, it's so important to 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 rise above and experience the world beyond duality. And I know it's temporary because we can be be there the entire time. But knowing that we can always come back to that and that in that world there is no right or wrong, good and bad, um, it's, um, it's, it's sort of a beautiful realm to reside in. And I think it's important to be able to make many of our decisions from that from that realm, um, and it informs the physical world reality, which I happen to believe is very important because we we did take an incarnation in this body, and we are meant to experience life in that form. But I think it's beautiful when when it is informed from from our higher self and from that place where we go to, whether in meditation or our walks in nature or whatever we do when we when we access that place um just anchoring ourselves there and knowing that we can always go back to that place okay. um that that has been my experience got it um you there's a long passage in the book uh very interesting about chakras and uh let me ask you kind of a double question here one you don't have to go through every single chakra because I think uh, most people have some familiarity with them. And uh, if not, they can read about each one and the colors uh, that accompany each chakra. But um, geometry, um, some say that there's some sacred geometry, if you will. I put the word sacred in kind of quotation marks and uh, some diamonds that are kind of uh, invert that are kind of spinning in different directions around your chakras and, they, they, you know, the, the whole aspect of geometry um, is part of the spirituality that I think a lot of people have no idea what the heck that is or what its significance is. So that would be number one, um, your thoughts uh, about that. And number two, um, the third eye, um, ways to uh, kind of engage your third eye and you open up, you decalcify, how to decalcify like the pineal gland. 
ooh, you're you're now going into into very deep territory. I I'll tell you a little bit what I know, and I'll just be very honest. The Please. geometry part of the chakras has never really been something that I've delved into, and I don't know a great deal about. I've I've worked okay. a lot with chakras as as I experience them, which they are energy vortexes, and uh, I very much feel when one or more are out of balance, and I've learned how to work with that. And in terms of the third eye uh, medit, there's nothing that is more helpful than meditation. And for me, sort of a magic number is 20 minutes a day. It's not too okay. long. It's not too yep. short. I agree. And uh, and also a lot of people meditate through chanting and that can really sort of both raise one's vibration and uh and um open the third eye so i would say meditation 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 um even more than than talking about it and understanding it the actual doing it it's almost as if you're talking about exercise and then you finally start exercising like you can talk mm-hmm. it to death Got about it. how fast how often how you know and there's of course a certain way of of exercising but then at some point you get to you have to get off the couch and actually do it and the doing of it i think is just enormously important just having that discipline of 10 15 20 minutes um Again, I like to commit to maybe 30 days in a row, and then I take a break, and then I start again. Um, mm-hmm. There's something very powerful about these kind of commitments um, and the cumulative effect. So I definitely think it helps a great deal with the third eye, and that's really where intuition is, going back mm-hmm. to your question about sharpening okay. intuition. Got it. Um, of all the chakras, if... Uh if uh, in Western in Western society now in our culture and modern times, what if somebody wanted to be aware of a specific chakra that or a chakra that seems to stand out as something that we need to be um, mindful of, uh, which would it be, if there is one? Oh, I don't think there is a single one, but I would like to point out how incredibly important the fifth chakra is, which is, you know, where our throat is, because it's um, it's it's our communication, and it seems like we're in the in the, we are in the era of communication, whether it's emailing or being on Facebook or the various social medias, or even what we are doing now, or even intentions our communications, um, thoughts, too, and, and, the, and the things we tell ourselves. So it's all, it's sort of the vortex between the, the higher chakras, the, the third eye and our uh, seventh, and then the eighth one is the, the sacred contract. So it's, it's a very important crossroads. Um, and it's also the translator of the other uh, four chakras below. So the 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 heart chakra and and the the root chakra and mm-hmm. the chakra of creativity and of our sense of self, because everything is translated through our communication. Ultimately, what we feel below and above the fifth chakra in the end comes out through our writing, through our speech through our thinking um, and uh, our thoughts. So to me, it, I always like to pause um, before I communicate something because I, I feel it's the convergence of the lower and the upper chakras, and you put it into the world. And then there are consequences, as we just saw with Roseanne yes. today <laughs> or yesterday. Uh-huh. You mentioned this uh, early in the book, and I think it's super important, um, and it's about how can we bring back our memories of our divinity. And I think once people begin to see, recognize the divinity in everybody, you know, it's not like, oh, you you screwed me over, you're divine. It's not about that. It's about recognizing that everybody is connected and everybody is the same and everybody has a divinity there. And if we can rise up to that level, then some of the 
bad behavior probably won't come our way as much. But even if it does, it's just because the other person is not kind of they're having their own struggles on their path. And we have to look past that as best we can, not allow people to do bad things to us, but just recognize the divinity in everyone, even the worst people. And yes. you mentioned the notion of how can we bring back our memories of divinity, which is kind of the same thing, I guess, Stephanie. So could you talk to us a little bit about that? Um, well, um, I don't remember specifically uh, where in the book um, I, I was talking about that, but I, I do know that that at, at school during our program, one of the most basic skills we learned before we even started talking to a client was um, we always had to center ourselves and to see the loving essence in the person in front of us. And it didn't matter if the person had committed crimes, whoever that person was, we were required to cultivate the ability to see the loving essence and the divinity inside of them and treat them as such. And I think it's always a gift to recognize that in another human being. And I, I think, for the most part, I've been, I've been working at that muscle. But divinity, I think, it's, um, we, it's, it's everywhere we look as well, as long as we remember it's there. It's in the trees and in the buildings and in the children and in the person next to us and you know, in the subway, and our pet, and the beauty of the flowers. Um, I guess I see it everywhere now, cause, because it's it's just turning on the inner filter that that sees that perceives reality through that channel, through that filter. Okay. Um, two two things, and then we'll kind of get wrapped up here. Um, you you touched on dreams briefly, uh, and there's I think you mentioned four types in the book: astral, process dreams, unconscious, and uh, prophetic. And then also you mentioned uh, journaling, where uh, you know I've been a big journaler, and for years I actually wrote down everything I ate and drank and what the weather was. I did it for three years in a row, and I discovered wow. that I really like peanut butter. And, but it was a good practice to do. And then I started doing it with dreaming. I kept a composition book next to my bed and every dream I had, I'd wake up and start writing and, yeah. you know, it would be four or five pages. And now I still keep a notebook by my bed and I'm having such, uh, I'm taking a spiritual enfoldment class. And because of that, I believe partially because of that, I'm having really uh, vivid dreams that are working to teach me. Uh, I have not been, I've been waiting till the curtain goes down and I haven't written. Then the curtain goes down. I, I don't write them down. Like last night, I, all I remember about a dream, there was a little black Panther came out and he wasn't mean mm. or scary or anything. And he was kind of walking around and I was watching him, but a little small black Panther, but a, a lot of different dreams and um, the, the power of journaling, like you said, write it down. And even in the class I'm taking that our, our uh, kind of, uh, mentor, if you will, says, write it down, write it down, write it down. She's channeling through the, the brotherhood. And yeah. uh, it seems to be a universal idea about the importance of writing things down. And, um, you know, we have so much of our lives, we spend asleep that there is an active part with astral dreaming, etc. So could you talk a little bit, uh, you don't have to talk about the journaling, that was just kind of my side, but dreaming, the importance and how we kind of can work with our dreams. Yeah, well, I, I think that, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the dreams are the royal path to our subconscious. If we remember our dreams, it is as if we took a flashlight and, and lit, a dark basement and we finally see what's there what kind of old furniture and uh, critters and whatever else there may be but i really i really see it that way i also think it's the oldest it's sort of the oldest treasure that was passed on from our ancestors the bank of our collective consciousness through dreams has been there before we had language before we have we had paintings on the cave walls. Um, it is something 
so primal and primitive and primal and so so old um yeah i mentioned about four kinds of uh, categories of dreams that that i like mm-hmm. to classify my dreams in but i think there are many more but definitely there are those dreams where i think our nervous system is just trying to to um come down and to recharge and if we've mm-hmm. been let's say filing throughout the day we're probably going to file a little more about <laughs> our dreams it, and organize our desk right. and i think from everything i heard that it's it's healthy for the brain to do that mm-hmm. uh, and then we have we have prophetic dreams we have dreams of warning that i definitely know i i received and we have dreams sometimes when our ancestors show up um I had one when my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, showed up at a time when I was really struggling with feeling loved. And I know I was, but I wasn't feeling it. And it was going on for a while, and it was very unsettling. And she showed up in my dream and looked deeply in my eyes and hugged me and started to dance with me and said, you are so loved, you are so deeply loved. And I woke up in tears. It was such a deep confirmation of of being loved and that love was all around me. And I was so thankful that she showed up in my dream. And I, so I considered that a healing dream, a, a dream of reassurance and of remembering of, of what is and what's possible and what's already there. Um, and then I've had some dreams that I know come, they, they've come from a whole other I think it's from from so far back that the continents on planet Earth were in a different configuration. I call that an astral dream because I was floating above the Earth and I mm-hmm. I was looking down and the Earth does not. It, there was a lot more snow and it looked very different and there was a, an unbelievable feeling of peace. So I put that in the category of. Um, of astral is just a, a whole other category, and I don't often have those, but they are such a gift, and they are so uplifting, and they are a confirmation that there is so much more out there. Okay, fantastic. So, Stephania, uh, you have been my guest on Guys Guys Radio. The book is uh, Searching for the White Magician, Spiritual Psychology and the Manifestation of Destiny, uh, Stephania, if you could be so kind as uh, just take a few moments and tell everybody where they can find you, the book, uh, more about Blue Heron, and whatever else you want to share with our listeners. Sure. So the book is available on Amazon, Stefania Magazine, and Searching for the White Magician. And the um, Blue Heron Foundation's website is www.blueheronfoundation.org. And if they want to email me, they can write to me at info at blueheronfoundation.org. And the book has 13 chapters, and each chapter deals with a different topic, and each chapter stands on its own. So you can just Pick the book and read the chapter that speaks to you. For example, there's a great one on femininity and feminism. And, uh, but each chapter stands on its own. So I think it's, a, it's an easy and fascinating read. And it's exciting because it's a dialogue. And sometimes I get contradicted and asked to explain a little more. And uh, I find that a very dynamic way of uh, engaging with a reader. Fantastic. And thank you for... Forgiving me for pronouncing your name, Stephania, like 20 times. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> no worries. Sorry, I'm from, I'm from New Jersey. We so, anyhow, um, listen, you've been fantastic, and uh, the book is great, too. So uh, it's been a pleasure meeting you, Stefania, and uh, all the best with your work and with the Blue Heron Foundation. It's such a uh, loving uh, organization and uh, you're doing fantastic things and thank you so much for being our special guest on guys guys radio it has been a real honor robert thank you so much for this opportunity and thank you to your listeners for for um giving us their time and and attention you got it thanks so much okay everybody once again the name of the book is searching for the white magician stefania magidson in dialogue with carmen Fear
So we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to do my guys, guys, guide and the guys, guy of the week, and then we'll wrap it up. The guys, guy radio. Okay, we're back, and like I like to do every uh, show is uh, do a guys, guy of the week. We're an anti-guys guy of the week, so I'm going to do one. My anti-guys guy of the week is um, a guy by the name of Jesse Duplantis, and uh, he is a televangelist who is doing a campaign to raise $54 million so he can have this special jet, so he can fly anywhere, wherever he wants in the world to spread the word of Jesus. Now you ask yourself, do you really need a $54 million plane to do that? Well, according to Jesse, he says he needs that. Well, Jesse just won himself an award. He is the anti-guys guy of the week because that, to me, is not really the best way with all the issues out there, with all the problems we have. $54 million for a personal jet? I don't think so, Jesse. Sorry. So you get the award this week. Um, As I also like to do is a quick guys guys guide. My uh, website is robertmanny.com. And I do uh, a lot of blogs on blog posts. There's over 300 there. I'm also on Good Man Project, uh, Cupid's Pulse, Your Tango, and I'm all over. I'm on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, etc. And the name of the novel, again, is The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And all of our Guy's Guy's radio podcasts can be downloaded whenever you want to listen to them at uh, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. So I do a quick little Guys, Guys, Guide of the Week, based on usually something that's on my website. So this one is about um, getting old, ways to old, get, stay young, not get old. So you know, as Mother Teresa said, I'm not going to go to an anti-war rally, but I'll go to a peace rally. So we're talking about staying young. So number one, and this is actually mentioned in uh, the White Magician book, is uh, diet. Um, we have to be really careful. Nowadays, the food isn't the same as it was when we were kids especially if you're a boomer, there's so much uh, processed food, so much added sugar, so many GMO-based foods. Uh, you know, dairy is uh, kind of sketchy nowadays. Uh, you have to be careful about that. Table salt. So, and, of course, you know, you've got to be careful with uh, things like meat and bacon and fried foods and alcohol. You've got to go slowly on as you age. And, uh, you know, smoking is definitely a no. Um, but we, well, most of us have done all of those things. So at a certain point, especially if you're a boomer, you have to adapt your lifestyle. You have to make changes. That's probably number one to staying young. Um, additionally, exercise. If you can, I know a lot of people as they get older, they have problems with their joints and uh, with their knees and their hips, et cetera. But if you can take care of yourself and if you're in okay shape, it's a good idea to get some cardio. Walk instead of taking the, uh, taking the uh, train um, or the bus. Uh, take the stairs, don't take the escalator, Uh, cardio in terms of elliptical trainer. If you can run, I still run and I love it. And when I do get an injury, I had a sore hip about a month ago and I stopped running for two weeks and thankfully, and I got a massage and thankfully it was only the muscle that was tight around my hip. Uh, It wasn't the hip itself. So I breathed a sigh of relief. Um, You also have to rest if you want to stay young and have a positive outlook. Um, Rest is important. You want to play hard. You want to work hard. But as you get older, you got to, You have to give yourself a chance to recuperate. Um, meds. When it comes to meds, you have to have your own point of view. I like to go all natural. Um, take things that are natural cures, uh, preventatives versus suppressants. And uh, there's a lot of great um, supplements that are out there. You can read my Guys, Guys, Guide to Supplements on my website for what I take. I'm not saying they're right for you, but this is what I do. Sometimes we do need medication. We do need pills. We have to kill viral inf- and uh, viral infections. Like I had a touch of pneumonia last summer out of the blue, picked up a germ somewhere, and I had to take meds to, to kill off the germ. And that's just the way it is. So I did. But beyond that, I do my very best to uh, go natural whenever possible. Uh, another key to staying young, never stop learning. Keep reading. That's also mentioned in the White Magician book, the importance of reading um, and learn. Be open-minded. Don't close down your thinking process. Be open to new ideas. A lot of people, particularly boomers, and I'm a boomer, they get to a point where they don't want to consider the prospect that maybe what they bought into was a lie. I personally would rather know 
because I've got a lot of good years left. I want to know the truth. To me, nothing beats the truth. And if the truth is that what you've been eating and swallowing and believing was incorrect or highly flawed, it's better to know. But you can choose not to know. That's up to you. Um, as part of that, when you make choices, everything we do all day long, we make a choice, this or that, we're going to eat this or that, we're going to choose, most importantly, love or fear as the driver for our decision. So I say choose love. And last but not least, keep your sex life going. Have fun with that. Enjoy it. Stay safe. But make sex a spiritual experience as well as a physical experience. And it goes a lot further that way because it is an energy exchange as is everything between two people. So anyhow, that's my guys, guys, God of the week. We're going to be back Sunday with Richard Gordon, who wrote the quantum touch book and he, he leads the quantum touch practice, which is a worldwide phenomena and it's amazing. And uh, so I can't wait to do that. That's going to be this Sunday at 8 PM. And until then uh, have a great week and thanks for listening. And as I always like to say, guys, guys finish first.